Welcome to Heartland Pod Wednesday. Support this show and all the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the link for Patreon or go to patreon.com slash heartlandpod to sign up. Membership starts at $1 a month with even more extra shows and special access at the higher levels. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. How's it going, Rachel? It's good. How are you, Sean Diller? It's just the two of us today. It's true. Yeah. No, I'm doing well. Good. Yeah. And this is cool. I think so. As we've mentioned this before, Work Mondays, we'll have the full talk in politics uh, for our Heartland Pod fans. Wednesdays will be one, two, or three of us, as will Fridays. And so we have been doing our Real Housewives of Presidential Politics on Wednesdays. We don't have a full Real Housewives this week. It's going to get a little presidency, though, um, because I'm here with Sean Diller, and then we're going to kind of uh, roll with a couple of other stories. But it's very presidential this week, I will say. This is very presidential politics. Um, well, it's it's just maybe not as catty, I yeah. guess. No, and I mean... To use that as a segue, you know, part of presidential political analysis is talking about people who will never be president. And so Florida <laughs> Governor Ron DeSantis, <laughs> he's got a lot on his plate these days. You know, we're releasing this episode Wednesday, so the hurricane will have made landfall. We hope everyone's doing OK. DeSantis is handling back to back crises, the racist mass shooting from this weekend and this hurricane that's hitting right now. And you know, it seems like the, I guess, the inertia coming into this situation is how he's approached race the entire time he's been governor and the reality in Florida. You know, the pressure is definitely going to be on him. That's for sure. Yeah. So one of the stories that we shared uh, in in our in our little mini circle is that he tried and, I, you know, the, Ron DeSantis never misses an opportunity to to be tone deaf. Right. <laughs> um, so he spoke and then we uh, listen, let's be clear. There was so there was a, a, a white supremacist shot um, three black people in Jacksonville last week. Shot and killed. Um, and uh, he was then shot and killed by police. Correct. And it wasn't before his family. He left a note for his family to like check out what was on his laptop. And he just had racist greeds all over the place. And he left manifestos. I mean, he certainly fit the profile of a mass shooter typically like someone yeah, who white supremacist mass shooter yes. i think he killed himself did he kill himself okay i wasn't sure if he killed himself or if he was shot and if he was killed in a shootout with a police officers either way you could call that suicide by law enforcement there's right. a term for that on purpose so um so never again if you think about the way somebody like um i'm trying to think of like a republican okay i'll say george no uh, i was gonna have to go back to george w bush i'm trying to think of somebody else Let's say Mitch McConnell. The way that Mitch McConnell would respond to a mass shooting in Kentucky would be that he would say something somber. You know, I don't, this is, again, I, I, I like to make these references because, like, I hate him. So I'm saying something reasonably complimentary about someone who I absolutely despise. He would show up uh, with his hat in his hand and he would probably, he would stand shoulder to shoulder with people that he may not share ideological space with to present a united front against hate in kentucky even if he's responsible right. for promoting it that's not what he would do he would say this is a terrible day for kentucky our hearts are with the family so and so so ron DeSantis made a speech at a vigil that sounded like he's so bad on the mic can we just talk about how bad he is on the mic for just a right. hot minute right. just uh all the charm of a carton of spoiled milk so he called 
the killer with kind of a he was like chipper he's kind of upbeat he's like this scumbag it's not gonna stand in my state right. and everybody booed him right because he had no decorum it was unbelievable right. except that it's and not no, Ron DeSantis. you know even implicit acknowledgement of like where the Repo- republican party stands on guns and you know the violent rhetoric that they use around race even you know you look at the very top of the party at how Trump has attacked African-American prosecutors who are just doing their job. Literally. Yeah. And so to come in with basically, yeah, some somewhat of a swashbuckling manner, you know, it's like, dude, no, these people are dead because in large part we've become such a, you know, the, the white supremacists are being driven by guys like you. Yeah. So there's been, so there's been a bit of a backlash. Um, and, uh, there are, of course, like no Democrats in Florida have missed an opportunity to call him a hypocrite and to say, like, if you're really that upset about racism, maybe you should have decried it sooner when um, people flew your campaign flags or and signs next to Nazi swastikas and so forth. You're clearly and what you know, we should say, too, we've we mentioned this before a couple times that uh, it really the Republican primary is kind of being held in Florida right now. It's really two Florida racists who are the who were the presumed front runners for the longest time. And because there is a limited I listened to Gloria Johnson this week on Dirt Road Democrat. I was listening to it yesterday finally and just does such a great job. Gloria Johnson's one of the Tennessee three and she refers to the pro all the, the severe right rhetoric in Tennessee, for example, as just the red meat that they have to throw to the base because these issues, these these districts that they live in are so gerrymandered that they have to win primaries now. And the only way that you can win a Republican primary is to just be sanguine in your response to all these social issues, guns, race, and so forth. And so the DeSantis and Trump, really led by Trump, have followed suit in that way because Florida is, in their perception, such a bright red state. Um of course, I, I hate to mention that they, they do have a Senate race coming up and there is a Democrat who's running. So I think that'll be really interesting. But I'm curious how you think. Let's say that this the storm is as bad as they think it's going to be. Is Do you think there's any way for for Governor DeSantis at this point to even I mean, he's repealed the the the, the resign to run law. He's not backing away from any of his previous rhetoric on guns or race. Is there an is there a response that he could have that would help him in any way? And yeah. not to make to put to put I mean, not to make this all about politics, but we are a political show. So, right. Well, no, you think about it in terms of, you know, his next election is in a Republican primary. So he's really effed. You know, I think we're trying to clean up our language. <laughs> I think when uh, we're talking about Ron DeSantis, you can use grown up poo poo language, though. But like, I will let it rhymes with duct. Like, let's just. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because. You know, you think about Chris Christie when Hurricane Sandy hit New Jersey and there was a Democratic president and, you know, it accrued positively to Christie to cooperate with the president on the other side of the aisle. It showed that he was a competent statesman and gover- governor. You know, the, the situation that DeSantis has is, you know, he needs to cooperate with Biden, but that all that has is risk for him politically. And as a person, he has no charm to get folks behind him. And, you know, if you don't have charm, you can have values, you know, and people get behind you because you 
clearly stand up for something and that you stand by your beliefs. DeSantis isn't like that. He's terrified right. of the most wacky, you know, Pepe the Frog, nameless Twitter yeah. people. Uh, he's afraid of them. And so, like, when the real world comes calling, like it is now, he's just so ill-equipped. You know, I just, I don't, yeah, I don't see it going well. Um, yeah, but It'll I mean, be let's, let's segue to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and let me close it out by saying, you know, we're thinking of everybody in the storm's path. And if you want to help, if you don't have money, give blood, um, give blood, Red Cross and give money to the Red Cross and stay safe out there. Absolutely. Next up, which you alluded to earlier, and Nikki Haley, who's having a bit of a moment. The Is she? Is she having a bit of a moment? <laughs> Everything counts as a moment when you're coming from, uh, you know, such a lackluster position and a yeah. OK, <laughs> effort. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people think that she so showed some courage in the debate on abortion and some republicans are saying that folks need to get behind her that she's got some something to say on Secret abortion sauce. that other people could be saying so what do you think um so this is this is what's so terribly ironic about miss haley she's in the past been vociferously pro-life you couldn't you couldn't out pro-life nikki haley defenseless I, I i i scattered i i i i can't even imagine i blush at thinking of what she tweeted the day that roe was overturned um now, now, Nikki Haley dismissed the idea that a 15-week national abortion ban could pass through Congress. Instead, just wait, just, this is from Semaphore, by the way. She argued that we should focus on, try on trying to find consensus around banning, quote, late-term abortions, made-up fucking word, by the way, excuse me, there's me cursing, sustainable access to contraception, and allowing doctors that don't support abortion to refuse to perform them. So that's her. So here we are heading into we'll talk more about Nikki Haley in a second, because I think this is kind of um, pathetic, really, and hilarious. Like, here we are into the 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 future that we predicted correctly, uh, you know, uh, just over a year ago when Roe was overturned. Um, is it a year ago or is it two years ago now? Boy, am I losing time last quickly. June, yeah. OK, yeah, it was last year. Yeah. So just over a year ago, I was right the first time I should have trusted myself. Um that we knew that this was going to be so unpopular that the mud was on the boots. We said that a lot. I said that a lot. You nodded in agreement. Um, and that the hair splitting would, the season of hair splitting on abortion would soon follow because they'd back themselves into the corner. They're the car that caught the dog or the dog that caught the car, whatever. Um, this is my, so um, people around the party have, try are trying to sort of back her up in a way so nancy mace who's also from south carolina who's one of those people that we've highlighted before because nancy mace is a conservative i'm sure she supported trump um she is pro-choice and she's also has introduced legislation to uh legalize cannabis in the house so she's certainly somebody who's trying to sort of like grab onto this kind of more populist movement in a way that looks a little bit more sane although i probably don't want to see anything about her economic policies um, she said she's the only candidate on the stage who talked about how we should protect women and not demonize them. That's what that was her referring to Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley is pro-choice, I guess that is that what we're going to say like that's what I like. Just just girl, just come out and say, I've had some time to think about this issue. And while personally for me, I would not support getting an abortion or anyone in my family getting an abortion. But I think we've come I've come full circle on this issue and I think that it needs to be a choice left up to a woman and her dog. Like, just say that. 
just say that now because obviously I think that's what she's trying to say without trying to say it. So the other person who has rallied to Haley's side is none other than Representative George Santos. So um, so in Haley's camp, we currently have a sane member of her party who probably just spends, I bet you, uh, Nancy Mace hopefully has like a padded area in her office where she can bang her head on her wall. Um, and George Santos, who should be kicked out of the caucus and also Congress for being a liar. So those are those are her allies right now. Um, harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> I didn't write the story in some four. Like that's that's what, that's what, that's what I'm quoting. Right. No, I mean, all that all that is true. Um, I think in general, a lot more Republicans are are saying like, yeah, why don't more of us say what she's saying? Um, And the reason is, as you alluded to, is that anyone who actually holds office in the Republican Party knows that there really aren't any pro-choice Republicans. And to be one would be to, you know, it's like Schrodinger's cat. It's like as soon as someone finds out it's like you're dead <laughs> is that is that how it works well um, i think you know here's the thing i Nancy think mace is not pro-choice so like um i think a, she is at, actually well i think I'm actually... susan b anthony's okay. pro-life america okay. and like and what i'm saying is you can't run she would never say that so we right. can we can say she's pro-choice and we I can back she, it up i thought but... i actually thought she said that she was at one point anyway i thought she said she opposed the the the, the abortion ban or something maybe i'm i'm conflating but i think that she's kind of wink winked at it a little bit more than others um so what the susan b anthony pro-life america advocacy group said and this is a pro-life group so they said while congresswoman mace has largely voted pro-life confusingly she has also publicly you can tell they're so upset they're so steamed at her they're so steamed at her she has also publicly denounced certain protections for unborn children which means she's publicly spoken up for some level of abortion rights and this is a good one and undermined thoughtful strategy of pro-life members of congress and so that gives that gets a gold star for me yeah totally <laughs> she's undermining yeah. pro-life members yeah. of congress thanks working, nancy yeah. yeah yeah so i think like i mean i guess like this is what i've said this whole time is that if you're now is the worst time in the history of american politics to be in a republican primary and i don't for the life of me i still don't understand why this is going to end Nikki Haley's political career. So unless she just is doing this to go for broke because she arrogantly really thought she was going to be able to carve out a space for herself as a woman, which is probably what she thought. She probably thought I'll be the I'll be the same grown up woman in the room. I'm the one that has experience. I'm the one who served in the Trump administration. They're going to love me because I'm a woman. And like, wh- I don't know. I mean, I don't have anything else to say about okay. her. Yeah, no, I'll wrap it up. Yeah, uh, you know, we've seen primaries before. So it's like, you know, it's great to kind of go back to reality. And it's like the way I see it happening for Nikki Haley is Vivek is going to crest and then be, you know, ceremonially. Uh... <laughs> Air, yeah, airplane, airplane, no shoot, shoot, no open, right. crash, get boom. Yeah. ocean treatment by courtesy of the Republican <laughs> base voters. And then. Um, nice reference. Right. And then and Haley will be next. And she deserves a moment in the sun for saying this. But I think it's, you know, I think uh, being a reasonable Republican right now is a road to nowhere. Um, And I don't think she is one. That's the other thing, too, is that she's one of these people who would never who said, oh, if Trump's the nominee, of course, I'll vote for him. Like, girl, you have to figure out like this. This goes. I'll say this. This is where I'll shut up. Um, That if you're going to put on your maverick hat and try to John McCain your way out of the situation. Um, that has to mean something, 
right? It can't right. just be right. sort of like you can't just you can't be that thing. You have she to did do- never. I don't, to my knowledge, maybe she served in Congress, but uh, you know, as far as I know, she doesn't have that voting record either. So she is no. kind of, you know, um, leaning pretty hard into some of her advantages as a. I think it was a one term. I don't know if she even won re-election as governor before she was tapped to be the UN ambassador. Yeah, I think um, she. I think she didn't run for real. I think it was just she was just a one term governor. Yeah. So, um, she, uh, yeah, I don't. I think I, I don't. You like you have to show voters who you are by the things that you say that you're going to do. People don't vote for symbols. Yeah. Well, and and yeah, just bringing it back, like if you know, to the extent that late term abortion isn't just a completely politicized term, you know what she's talking about. You know, a federal ban on late term abortions, guaranteeing sustainable access to contraception, and then making sure doctors don't have to do what they don't want to do. Like that, Democrats would vote for that. So, like that's why. I, and that's She's, not what's going to yeah. get. And that's not what's going to get introduced. Just by like the way, DeSantis that's is effed. right. That's, exactly. Right. No they're not. Put that no in, one's going to introduce <laughs> that. that. Yeah. Come to the floor. And you're not going to be president. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Next. Speaking of presidents, the real president has announced that <laughs> ten drugs are going to be subject to negotiation with Medicare and thus save billions upon billions of dollars for seniors and the government. What do you think, Rachel? I think that this is really another moment where if I were a rational Republican strategist, um, I'll go back to somebody who looks like about Steve Schmidt. So Steve Schmidt, who is now allegedly a Democrat, who is still going to back, who worked for Howard Schultz briefly when Howard Schultz, that union busting asshole, the CEO of Starbucks, decided he was going to run as a third party rail, a third rail candidate. Schmidt was behind him, so Schmidt is no longer invited to the barbecue. But if I were someone like him and this happened, I would I would I would stop taking calls for the day. I would go in the backyard. I'd turn on the sprinkler and I wouldn't care if it just like hit me in the legs as I sat there and like drank a beer or whatever, because I'd be so depressed. Because this is another example of of Joe Biden delivering on many of his campaign promises, one of which was, I'm gonna do everything I can to make healthcare more affordable, right? And he didn't say he was going to pass Medicare for all. He never said that. He said right. I'm going to do everything I can to give more people, I'm going to help people save money. I'm going to ha- I'm going to protect working people, low-income seniors and low-income Americans. And here is another example where a lot of these uh benefits are going to hit after 2024. So if Joe Biden is no longer the president in 2026, when a lot of these prices are going to be lowered on drugs like insulin, uh, immune, some immune, I'm, I, there's a full list. Of, there's a full list that you Blood can thinners, find like, right. Yeah. Like really Blood common thinners. drugs that are right. Um, used by, you know, I think they target, they, they, they cleverly um, addressed uh, drugs that are largely purchased already by lots of Medicare recipients. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's Jardiance is another one. So it's uh, Eloquist, Jardiance, Genuvia, Farsica, and Tresto, Enbrel, uh, and a couple of Enbrel, I think is a, I think Enbrel, I think yeah. Enbrel is a, is a, is a rheumatoid arthritis drug. So it's, it's an immunosuppressant yep. drug. So, so drugs that are commonly prescribed for numerous sort of later in life or, or drugs that are related to chronic obesity, which is something that affects mostly largely low income households. Um, not exclusively, but certainly that's, that's where it hits the hardest. And so, uh, again, if you're the Biden campaign right now, you just have a, you just have like a, a flip card, a flip sheet, like a, you know, that we used to use back in the day and a marker. And you go, well, he said he was going to do that and he did it. And then he said he was going to do that and he did it. And then he said that. And now you're, you're what you're asking, what you're asking the voters to do is to say, 
give me four more years and I'll go back and I'll I, I will get uh, the child care tax credit back in in the homes of families. I will give you better Obamacare subsidies. I will uh, nominate another list of drugs to be negotiated by Medicare because this is the first time that's ever happened. This is a huge deal, right? Like, let's not let's like, I've, I've been kind of looking at this clinically from sort of like the messaging perspective as far as like the history of the country and solidifying people's trust inst- like reinforcing institutional trust and doing things that will help people this is just it's just kind of a home run there's no other way to put it right i mean that's true yeah 100 percent. yeah and it's an issue that republicans you know specifically iowa senator joni ernst and others have prioritized and really made a signature issue for themselves bringing down prescription drug costs so smart smart governing smart politicking good politics all of it right yeah um do we have any other topics well i did uh want to mention that it is the 60th anniversary of the march on washington this week um and um i thought it would be we'd be remiss if we didn't um at least talk about what that what the impact of that movement has done and it really made me think about you know, I'm 53. And so a 60th anniversary is, is essentially something that's contemporaneous with me. I wasn't alive yet, but I, you know, seven years later I was. And to have grown up during an era where this is something I, I can't escape thinking about a lot lately, that when I was in elementary school, yeah, the image of Martin Luther King was certainly sanitized, as was the image of Harriet of, of Harriet Tubman and other um I'll, I'll say like American revolutionaries who helped um, provide an environment and ensure an environment where, where black Americans are free, free to vote. Um, and, but uh, it, I, I was taught those things though. I was taught that he was an American hero. I was taught that slavery was an evil that we were better off without. I was taught that Missouri was a border state and that the South was on the losing side of the war for good reason. I mean, all these things that I thought were sort of was sort of like settled fact. And now that we're in another era where those things are being um, con- sort of contested as fact, where slavery is you know being taught in some Florida schools that it was a benevolent act um, that ma- that again slave owners were these these generous people that gave uh, people without any personhood a right to 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 claim their own um, identities and, and also be entitled to physical safety. Uh, that that was somehow an act of generosity. I mean, that's all, it's kind of a stark and sobering time to reflect on um, that period in history, I think. Yeah, 100%. You know, I have two young daughters and they're going into school now. And I live in a, you know, super diverse area where the school celebrates diversity and talks about the importance of social justice and things that I really care about. And I'm just so aware of the fact that that is not what kids everywhere are being, you know, taught. And, you know, talking about death and violence with kids is so hard. Um, And, you know, talking about Martin Luther King and, you know, my five-year-old asked me, you know, what, what happened? Um, And, you know, I thought of, I thought about what I was going to say back to her and just, you know, I took the opportunity to talk about the fight for racial justice, but also the bigger, idea of you know when you're talking about challenging the power structure and the people who run things to make it more fair you know it's not the easy road it never will be um but it is the it's the road you have to take 
Yeah, it's if you if you have if you have time, I would suggest um one of the things that I like to push people to is to understand more about the movements that MLK affiliated himself with. He was pro labor. He right. was vociferously anti against the Vietnam War and worked very closely with that movement. Um which was one of the other reasons that he was very, very, very unpopular with uh, the establishment in D.C. He was right. not embraced by by white leaders during his time. I think the only one who did was Lyndon Johnson, and that was because he was greatly pressured to do so. Right. Uh, John F. Kennedy never had any official meetings with him. Um, and someday I will read the um, three-part MLK biography. And every time I pick one of those books up, I'm like, who, who are you kidding, lady? Like, what are you talking about? You're not going to finish that. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining me, Rachel. This yeah. Is, uh, thanks for the thanks for the Wednesday. Absolutely. All right, man. Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media LLC. Producers Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Diller. Outro song by American Aquarium, written by BJ Barnum, called The World is on Fire. Learn more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Learn more about American Aquarium at americanaquarium.com. That's when I saw a tear fall from her eyes She said, what are we gonna do? What's this world coming to? For the first time in my